1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I am here running solo today. Devin was not able to join me, so we realized that earlier this week, and so I reached out to you guys with a question on Instagram and got a ton of feedback, which is awesome. But first, let me start with a quote. A tool is but the extension of a man's hand, and a machine is but a complex tool. And he that invents a machine augments the power of a man and the well-being of mankind. Now, I really, I found that quote, and I really like it, uh, specifically because it talks about the fact that when you're inventing a machine or a tool, that you are augmenting the power of man, and that you are augmenting and pushing forward the well-being of mankind now in this day and age of tons of different types of technology and different tools that's always one of those issues that's on the table when you talk to makers right what is a tool Um, which tool should be used how far do you push it now maybe not necessarily makers because I think makers most makers agree that like any tool is a fun tool it doesn't matter um, what it really does like if it's something that you can make something with that's pretty cool where you get that kind of feedback and that, or that pushback, I should say, is on YouTube, right? That's YouTube comments, and I guess any any social media where people are able to uh, try to discount what you're doing. <clears throat> so, um, you know, you're I, I, I would have tons of examples of this on YouTube comments where I'm making something and using a tool, and someone says, "Well, you know." yeah, you can make it with this tool, but what about if you, you know, made it with a shop that didn't have a whole bunch of specialized tools? Well, I've made most of those things that I make on YouTube when, before I had these specialized tools. Uh, and it, it, but that doesn't matter, right? I mean, the tool is the tool. It's there for the user and the maker to use to the best of their ability and to push forward the well-being of mankind. Um, <clears throat> that quote is from Henry Ward Beecher, um, who was an American Congregationalist. Uh, and a social reformer and a speaker and known um, specifically for support of the abolition of slavery so he was in that kind of 18 late 1800s time period Um, his sister if you if you recognize the name beecher his sister was harriet beecher stowe who was the author who wrote uh uncle tom's cabin funnily enough he was he was uh henry ward beecher was was a minister and preacher or you know he was a Congregationalist minister for a long time and and in the church uh, for most of his life Um, he really was pushing the importance of the love of God like that God loves us and he's a God of love and that the importance of what you do is being kind and loving others which is I think the foundation of abolition the abolition of slavery right so Remove slavery because we're all people, we all deserve God's love, we're all humans um funnily enough, later in life, he went through this big trial uh i think multiple years after slavery um ended, and there was the the reconstitution i guess of um you know rebuilding the south uh after around the civil war and all and um uh, he went through a big trial that was super public and on the on the front of all the newspapers about um a possible adultery case that he had gone through and so he had apparently spoken out against free love you know within marriage and stuff throughout his year and then he was accused of being an adulterer. so who knows but but he was pretty famous at the time that he lived Um, so again that's uh that's henry ward beecher but again i just love that quote because really you're talking about how a tool is just an extension of a man's hand right or and then and a machine is extension of a tool it's like building on top of it. So if you can build more machines you know more things to make us as men be able to more easily and you know and more directly move forward into what we're creating and making then that's for the well-being of mankind now the debate is still up in the air i guess about you know how far technology has come and what's good for men and what's not good for men but you know I guess that's all in the eye of the beholder and the user. For me, for instance, I mean something as like social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Those things are ways that I show the things that I'm making and the thing we create the videos and put out content and you know connect with the community. That's what it. That's you know that's a big part of what we're doing and that connection. You know, being able to like show what I'm working on and gain interest and push people over to my channel, which ultimately, you know, goes back into me making money and doing the things I love to do and trying to teach people about that in a way that's sustainable for me and for my brother. Um, So, yeah, like technology is that social media has its has its place and it's really good when you're using it in a certain way. And then it can also be really, you know, really negative depending on what you're doing. Um, So, yeah. So uh, once again, I did reach out to the viewers and the listeners on Instagram, the followers uh, on Instagram and on Facebook, and asked a question this week, and that question was, uh, "What? Sorry, hold on. what are your favorite shop tools under one hundred dollars?" Now, originally, I was going to say something like, "What are your favorite cheap shop tools?" But didn't necessarily mean cheap because cheap can be interpreted as you know poorly made or uh, it's not not worth the money you paid for it so um, I I decided to reword that as what are your favorite shop tools under $100 because for me in my mindset a tool that's under $100 is on the cheap side where I could you know I guess relatively easily justify buying a tool that's under a hundred dollars as long as I have a use for it um you know and knowing that I might have use for it in the future now if there's a tool that's eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or three thousand dollars you know I really have to justify the use of that tool whether it's going to make me money or it's going to be you know something that I can use in the shop that is going to really be used all the time now if it's not something that I'm going to use all the time it's just something that's fun well that's one thing and Maybe in the future, I'll have enough money to be able to buy those tools or I want, you know, and, and then they'll all come back to be able to hopefully make me make me money and, and make what I do sustainable. <clears throat> but in my mindset, $100 is kind of around that limit, you know, something you can just say to somebody, like, what's something you got under $100? Because when it's under that limit, you know, there's definitely a different mindset of purchasing something that is less than $100 than there is that's over $100. So I asked that question. And I got uh a bunch of really awesome feedback um, from, I guess I had like 30 comments from different people, plus another I think four or five on Facebook. And so I'm gonna go through. And I'm gonna answer you guys' questions. I mean, I'm gonna read out your answers to the question because, you know, when Deb and I were talking, we, I knew he wasn't going to be uh, joining me. I was like, well, let me see, let me have the viewers and the followers join me. So I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna tell everybody the things that were responded to and let you guys know what a lot of people talked about and um, there were a lot of repeats a lot of repeat things because I don't know I guess especially for the followers my followers there are people who are makers and probably I'm assuming do similar things that I do right you know you got wood and metal and some forging and some blacksmithing and some you know outdoor stuff so those type of people are I would assume relatively going to have similar tools and you know and those kind of cheap tools kind of go hand in hand with that across the board now if i was like a you know a car channel or a mechanic channel there'd be a different type the different whole set of tools that would be under 100 dollars. so if in your shop if your shop doesn't align with what i'm saying in in from the comments of my listeners and and uh and followers on instagram well that's probably because a lot of them are doing the same things that i'm doing but i would encourage you if you uh if you do different things than I do, and you would like to comment, I would I would definitely, uh, if there's more comments on this after I do this podcast, I'll read out some more on, uh, on future podcasts. So check it out. All right. Um, so before I start reading out the comments, I want to talk a little bit about the tools that I love and the reason why that I have cheap tools and why I love cheap tools. Um, well, Growing up, our family did not have a lot of money, right? So we were relatively on the lower income side of kind of the white American bracket, I guess you would say. Um, you know, four brothers, my mom and dad. Um, and so we were always making things and doing things and making do with cheaper versions of things. Like we would go camping every summer for like a week rather than going on vacations and staying in hotels and flying places for a week. You know, we would do, like, dinners would be big dinners that are really cheap and easy to make because, obviously, you're feeding four hungry boys. Um, You know, the things that we would do around the farm that we grew up on, we would, like, build a lot of things in the woods and, you know, build forts and things and, and make bows and arrows, and everything would be, you know, reused from what we had on the farm. And so that was just, like, a mindset of, like, taking things, reusing things, and being relatively frugal. So I still have that mindset as an adult. Like being, I guess, not like afraid to spend a lot of money. But being really cautious with the money that I spend. Um, so buying tools. Uh, obviously, I can justify buying tools. Because I'm using it to uh, you know, make things for the channel. And make things for myself. And a hobby. And you know, some of the stuff is just hobby, Some of it is more specific to um, the work that I do on the channel. And so I have a justification of why I need to buy tools. Now I, I don't buy expensive tools. I don't have any tools in my shop that um were over I don't know. Maybe not even over I wanna say like three hundred dollars. Now that's just my shop. You know, this is it's a small shop in my basement. It is what it is. I just I have the tools that I have and I love making things with them. But, you know, I have some bigger tools, some things that have been given to me. Like I have my revolution grinders that Brian house, you know, gave to me, um, which are amazing. And they're obviously worth more than $300. I have tools that probably would have been worth more than $300 when they were originally made, but I purchased them secondhand or used, or I got them from, you know, like a, uh, a pawn shop or a flea market, you know? So half of that, buying cheap tools is is getting the good deal and then the other half is actually cheap tools things that are are cheap but can do the same thing as maybe a more expensive tool like um i don't really want to go into it because there's a lot of really awesome ones in the comments. so i really i just kind of want to talk about the philosophy behind buying cheap things now you know if i were presented with a really good deal on something that was normally really expensive say a tool that's some somewhere between you know three and five thousand dollars and I was able to pick that tool up for like a thousand dollars and it would be something that I would definitely use and something that I've been interested in I don't know exactly what that is but that I might then be tempted to spend that larger amount of money because I'm getting such a good deal on it um, but that being said you know I, I would probably hesitate and be like well do I really need that Am I might you know what I'm doing in my shop my shop is is a hobby you know I still have a full-time job I'm still you know we're not YouTube is not our full-time job. We're not making money, full-time money off of YouTube, um, you know, and we do the podcast because we love doing the podcast and we're not making a ton of money off the podcast. It's, this is all just because these are things that we love to do and and they also are building, right? There's a potential that it could build to something in the future that could be sustaining. So that's the goal. But until it's actually sustaining and I'm actually making money off of it and by buying better tools, it could save me time, which would then save me money. So I would earn more money, and then you know, then it would make, make it more beneficial to buy a more expensive tool. But until that happens, I'm happy to uh, have lots of tools that have not cost me very much money. But I have the tools that I want to use and need to use in my shop. Um. Yeah. So let me get into reading off some of these comments. They're awesome comments and tons of great tools. Uh, we'll start with Clifford Wright 13. I'm sorry, Clifford Wright three. Uh, he says, my favorite shop tool is the phone so I can call someone who knows what they're doing, a professional, which I think is just funny. So <laughs> that's great. And then Papa underscore Hatch underscore uh, Axe gave him a, a laugh and a clap because I think that was that was probably one of the, I think that might have been the very first comment or maybe the first or second comment on it, which was just great. Someone's like, my tool is my phone because I can call someone who knows what they're doing, which n- knowing most phones, that's probably an inaccurate uh uh, statement about it being under a hundred dollars so <laughs> but uh yeah um all right so the next comment is from c <clears> three <throat> he says angle grinder propane forge centaur forge tongs and toaster oven to heat treat and season cast iron so i think by that he's meaning that he's heat treating and seasoning cast iron which is pretty cool i don't know I don't know much about that, but, uh, but yeah, so angle grinder, propane forge, centaur forge tongs, and a toaster oven all under a hundred dollars. That's pretty good. All right. Next we have Jimmy Timbers, uh, Jimmy Timbers, Jimmy underscore Timbers says, I find I'm using my Japanese pool saws more and more lately. Kind of bought them on a whim and fell in love with them. Now, I can agree with that 100%. I absolutely love Japanese pool saws. I have two Harbor Freight pool saws. <laughs> they're both awesome and I use them all the time and they were super cheap. I think they're like I don't know, 12 bucks, $13, something like that from Harbor Freight. And uh you know the the expensive ones are still under a hundred dollars. I mean I I actually just uh put a a pair of oh, what is it uh Tajima, I think it is. It's the pool saw and it has like a um multiple heads that you can replace or that you can use the handle to do uh different heads um different teeth patterns so you have cross cut and uh and rip saw, but they're different um different blades so you can replace it uh, it's actually one of the ones that uh, my buddy sean crafting life i want he has and i really like his so i i put it on my on my amazon wish list for christmas because my wife was like we need to put some stuff on these wish lists because other people want to know they start asking what we want and i want to know what you want so that's one of those things that I don't necessarily need. Like, I don't need that better pool saw, but it would be nice to have it. It is it is nice, and it's, you know, sharp. I mean, the thing is, like, once they become dull, you can't really resharpen them. But so they're relatively inexpensive, so you just buy another one. Or we could buy more blades. But I do love Japanese pool saws. All right, Whiskey River Trading Company, Brandon from Whiskey River, says... Nipex mini bolt cutters, so I think that's crazy. Like I, I actually, I'm actually surprised that Nipex anything Nipex is under hundred dollars. And obviously, mini bolt cutters, you know, makes sense. Maybe they are, but, but I have heard all good things about about Nipex tools, mini bolt cutters. I wonder what he's, Oh, maybe you know, I'm thinking about what what it, he would be doing in his shop or in the in the Whiskey River warehouse, and maybe it's like to uh, cut um strapping on boxes and things for shipments when they're receiving axes and whatnot so I can imagine using those all the time all right we have matt matt of many trades and he says japanese pull saws so again like i said there are a lot of uh duplicates on this but i definitely agree with that japanese pull saws are uh irreplaceable (laughs) i i also love because they're so thin you can really do some really awesome work with them um and they're just like usually so sharp and thin and just that kerf having that that thin kerf is you know anytime you're you're sawing something i mean at least in my mind anytime i'm cutting something or sawing something i'm always thinking about the size of the kerf you know and how much material is being wasted potentially so being able to uh to cut that really fine kerf and not waste any of your material that's it all right next up is great lake axe great lakes axe company And uh, he says my favorite tools are the ones I didn't pay for. Sometimes I'll go to estate sales and be the only one with a trailer, which means I'm the only one capable of bringing home that big old craftsman lathe. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the benefit of being somewhere and being being in a convenient position to um, you know get a good deal. I think I told you guys recently or a couple months ago about the the giant um, kind of estate. Yard sale that I went to and got just ridiculously, a, a ridiculously good deal on a lot of things. So I went back. I just reached out to the the woman who was running it and asked if I could come back the the weekend after the the main event. Right, it, I think it was uh, it was held on like a Saturday and Sunday. And so I reached out to her um, later in the week and asked if I could come back the following Saturday. And she said, Yeah, it's fine. Come on back. You know, I just figured there was there was just so much stuff and it was all. I mean, it was all inside of a shop, you know, so pretty much anything there would have been reusable unless it was trash or, you know, water damaged or just something that I wouldn't use. Like, there was was a decent amount of, um, you know, mechanic uh, and, like, specific things for, like, electrical and mechanical things and hardware and things that I would never use. Or at least it wasn't worth it for me to take it because I don't have anywhere to put it. (laughs) But... I definitely uh, (laughs) made out on that. Just being the person who was able to come back and had a truck and, you know, it was convenient for me to come back and buy a bunch of stuff. So I did get a lot of stuff um, for really inexpensive when I came back that next weekend. Take a sip break. I'm drinking a Centennial from Founders. I think I was drinking this uh, a couple weekends, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Centennial IPA. What do we got? How much is Centennial. Let's look at our ABV, sixty-five IBU, so it's not super hoppy. Seven point two percent. That's kind of surprising. We, uh, my wife and I, went out and got a couple different beers um, before Thanksgiving. We had everybody over at our place for Thanksgiving, <clears throat> which was great. We, uh, I, we talked about it on the on the previous podcast, but we did do uh, we did the turkey, and that turned out really good. We did an overnight brine and cooked it, first time ever cooking a turkey, and it the, the turkey turned out really moist and delicious. I mean, that's all you're looking for, right? I mean, it's going to be put onto a plate with a bunch of other stuff and gravy anyway, but yeah, just cutting it up, and it was really moist. The white meat was really moist, and the dark meat was really moist, and it turned out great. So, uh what was I saying? Oh yeah, my wife and I, we went out and got some, uh, some beers, some different beers to have at the house, and we got two different um, stouts. We got a, uh, the Brooklyn, I forget what that one was called. It's a Brooklyn, a dark Brooklyn beer. And then the other one was, um, an Imperial stout by, I can't remember the company either. Uh, but I actually, I didn't realize we didn't look at the time at the alcohol content, but, um, I was, I was taking the, the two, uh, carriers like the six pack carriers out. I was going to take them out and throw them in our recycling bins outside. And I saw on the one that it was ten percent. That was on the Brooklyn, and so I showed my wife. I, I went over to show her like, "Hey, did you realize that we got you know a ten percent beer?" And then so I looked at the other six pack carrier because I was taking them both outside to toss in the recycling, and the other one was ten point four percent. So I was like, "Damn, we got high alcohol content beers. We didn't even realize it, but they were good though. And I guess the stouts, you know, and they're I don't, stouts are so rich in flavor anyway that I don't, I didn't notice the high alcohol content." But they were good. All right. So, yep. On to the next one. This is Drew Lininger. He says a checkering file and file guide. You can tell from that that Drew is a knife maker, young knife maker out on the West Coast, I believe. And, uh, yeah, checkering file and a file guide. Um, I can definitely imagine using a checkering file to give that checkering on the spine of the blade um, to give you some, like, traction on that with your thumb uh, without that file having to do something similar and just kind of eyeball it or using like a triangle file and put those in there. And I can imagine how, how much time um, you can save by using a checkering file. And then obviously a file guide, if you don't know what that is, you know, for knife making, it's a, it's a guide that has um, carbide, <clears throat> carbide pieces on it. So that way uh carbide hard. And so when you're putting it up against a grinder or a grinding belt, it doesn't grind. So you can, clamp this guide down it's like two two blocks of aluminum usually or steel with with the carbide attached to it and you can clamp it onto your blade wherever you want it and then you can grind all the way up to that line so you get really clean usually it's used for either plunge lines or um, cleaning up the uh, when you're gonna you're fitting up a guard to a handle you want to get really clean lines and you know right angles so that way everything fits together really cleanly so um yeah a file a file guide is definitely uh, one of those things that saves a ton of time and gives you the professional uh, the the look of professionalism that is not hard to get but much harder to get if you're just free handing so really nice nice and uh, you know really helps for symmetry all right next one we have is Arcburn underscore design and he says angle grinder for sure i can definitely agree with that uh, he says, but I'm also a big fan of my Dremel tools. I have multiple and I use them a tremendous amount. Which is really funny because right behind me on the shop bench, I am down in the shop this evening recording. Usually I'm up in the studio upstairs. And by studio I mean that's the our art studio. The room we have my house is uh, it's my daughter's room, my bedroom and then we have a third kind of small room which is where all of the art supplies is. That's, our, that's what I call the studio. Um, so I'm usually recording upstairs in the studio, but today I'm downstairs in the shop, and right behind me, right as I was getting ready to uh, start the podcast, I plugged in my phone, and I had to rearrange the power strip um, a little bit to plug in my phone and the uh, the Nikon battery chargers, and uh, and so I had to unplug two things that were plugged in. One was the angle grinder, and one was my Dremel, <laughs> so again, I definitely use them all the time. They're like usually just sitting on my bench. All right, so let's see, let's see. Uh, next one is Dad's Junk 72. He says, my Exacto knives and my 1x30 belt grinder. That is uh, definitely true, depending on, you know, what you do in the shop, having a really clean and sharp cutting tool. Like, if you're doing any type of uh, masking, you know, you want to be able to make a really clean edge. Um, you know, any type of uh, template cutting, same thing. So, uh, X-Acto knives and... One by thirty boat grinder, and I can definitely agree with that too, because I use my one by thirty. Even though I'm still, you know, even though I have the two by seventy twos and I have the two by forty two, um, I have disc grinders. I still use my one by thirty. That's uh, predominantly I use it for um, stropping when I'm sharpening knives or axes, or I guess technically anything. Um, I have a stropping belt on it that I use polishing compound. I use that because it's it's thin and it's fast, and I can like you know, I can quickly add stropping compound onto it. Um, And so, yeah, that works really amazingly as a strop. And I'll still, I mean, I still have belts for it. So I still occasionally I'll throw on belts and I'll do little things if I'm, if I'm grinding small things. But usually, usually I go right to stropping for that. But one by 30 is an awesome little grinder, little belt grinder. All right. Next we have uh, Jonathan's, Jonathan's. And he says, my map gas torch. It's definitely a good one, something that's under $100, having a handheld torch, any type of, uh, you know, any type of heating that you need to do. I use uh, I use the MAP gas torches or the propane torches. Sometimes I'll do, you know, small heat treating or tempering on things, using that if I need to, or if I'm doing like a quick, um, if I need to bend a piece of steel or something, I'll use that to like pinpoint, you know, because I, I don't have... Like an oxy torch or anything like that in the shop, I just have either those map gas torches, propane torches, or my forge. So if I'm if I need any centralized heat, I'm definitely using my torches as well. All right, we have uh, this is Papa underscore Hatch underscore Axe who commented above on uh, Clifford Wright's post, but he says my spoke shave, draw knife, and orbital sander. Um, I can definitely agree with that too. I you know, spoke shaves and draw knives, just something really nice about those tools. like you know i I built my uh, draw horse uh, several years back to assist with bow making. but really anytime you know I have anything that is taking a lot of uh, pulling force to cut with, I'll pull you know I'll, I'll pull out the the spo- the draw horse and use that because there's nothing more stable than sitting on the bench clamping down on it and pulling on it, and as you pull. You know, you're you're using the force of your pulling to tighten, you know, clamp tighter on that piece. So, I do that. But um, you know, a draw knife and a spoke shave are both great. It's really funny. I see. I've always used a spoke shave. I've always, always pulled a spoke shave toward me, right? So, you draw it back toward yourself like a draw knife. But I also see people using a spoke shave the other way around often, which is just kind of odd. I mean, I guess I I will use it that way sometimes, especially if I'm like hitting a spot in the grain that's coming up or down the wrong way, and flip it around and do it. But almost always I'm pulling it toward me. So spoke shave, draw knife, and orbital sander. Um, that was other than I did get like a uh, it, like a three by three by twenty four, like one of those handheld uh, belt sanders. I had one of those when I was um, you know i don't know if i still have it maybe i do somewhere but i think they burn out Um, but i've used them over the years to different do different grind when i first started making knives that's what i was using to do any type of grinding was a you know belt sander like clamped to a desk or to a bench Um, but then kind of the first handheld palm was like a palm sander an orbital palm sander or a, a random orbital palm sander which I just think is a great little sanding tool. I mean, that's, it's something I've used all the time. You know, before I had one, I'd borrow people's all the time, and then I got one. You know, I got a cheap one from Harbor Freight because, you know, that's what I do. And when Harbor Freight came into existence, I was in love instantly because a, you know, a tool and hardware store that's a third or quarter the price of bigger box stores and most other tools, it was, uh, it was a dream it still is a dream i love it obviously you know the quality is not there all the time but you you know you choose and pick and choose which ones are uh, are worth the cheap money cheap money all right uh wayforge says calipers um and i definitely agree with that i have several pairs of you know dividers and calipers um and then i have a, a pair of digital calipers which are just uh I use them all the time they all they come out all the time from my drawer and i you know use them and put them back and they're great all right lone pine blades says one two three blocks so many uses um and that's one of those things that I, I didn't have for a long time. I probably got a set of one, two, three blocks maybe two or three years ago. But for the, the years before that, I saw people using them all the time and always thought, like, dude, that would be really nice to have, you know, using using them as a set of parallels or using them as something to hold up a piece of material so you can drill through it if you don't have, you know, a, a good base to drill into. And, you know, and, and the uses are wide. Mine, mine stay right on my drill press. Um, so, you know, but I think I could... You know there there are much, many more uses for them than i use them for um and there are a lot of really awesome videos out there for people using one two three blocks in lots of different ways so I definitely agree with that all right next we have a monochrome shooter he says most definitely my orbital sander a set of squares of various sizes hand planes my hammers files and rasps a multimeter weller soldering station and many more (laughs) so he's got all sorts of stuff he says i believe a number of good quality tools for enthusiast workshops can be bought for under a hundred dollars each he says now that i look around hardly anything except for my power tools is over that amount and i agree with that right that's that's the thing is like when i asked the question it it was more about like what things do you love because they're right around you and they're cheap and you use them all the time but really honestly so many things in shops are under a hundred dollars and you know serve a purpose that's just hard to uh hard to pass up all right next we have providence woodworkers woodworks it says random orbital sander japanese pull saws dremel and an aluminum yardstick i like that one obviously we got those first three what other people have said sander orbital sander pull saws and dremel but an aluminum yardstick i wonder I wonder why specifically aluminum. I guess just having that tool there that you can, you know, cut up against. I mean, I use, um, you know, aluminum and steel yardsticks and rulers all the time because I'm often cutting uh, with exacto knives or knives or things along that edge. And so, you want to use something that's metal so you don't cut into it. You can use it as a guide. So, but yeah, I definitely agree with that. I have a couple of them here in the shop and I use them all the time. All right. Uh, the next one is from Alex Soros eight two one. And he says, Milwaukee 11-in-1 and a set of mini channel locks, most used tools in my shop. I I actually had to look up what a Milwaukee 11-in-1 was um, because it could be so many things. Um, You know, I was like, well, I I know 4-in-1 or 4-in-hand is the file, you know, uh, multi-surfaced or uh, um, uh, the teeth you know the higher lower grits on four different uh file and rasp grit or aggressiveness um man that that took a while to get out um, but uh yeah, that's that's the foreign one that's something i'm common with but i wasn't exactly sure what the 11 was what 11 and 1 was so i looked it up and it's a uh it's a adjustable or i would say it's a screwdriver or a hand tool screwdriver body with uh adjustable and changeable heads so you know probably like multiple sizes of flathead multiple sizes of phillips head and then whatever else you know bit drivers things like that so that's the milwaukee 11-in-one and then uh, channel locks yeah i definitely have multiple pairs of channel locks or uh, uh yeah and use them all the time channel locks and also uh what are they called? it um, vice grips there's another one that i have lots of all right, uh, next one is BZBSH Bizbish, and uh, he says angle grinder, and, and there you go, another one, another person for angle grinder. I have found that's a lot of people are, are all about the angle grinder. And I agree, hundred uh, percent. Stark Franklin says my cheap plastic and brass dead blow from Northern Tool. Um, that's really good. I I have I've had a few different dead blows over the years. And I have um, one of the Harbor Freight ones, the orange ones with, you know, I think mine's a two pound uh, dead blow. And it is such a nice tool. I mean, having that tool that can, that, you know, doesn't have any bounce back and, and is also soft faced. And you know, I use it for hanging axes predominantly, um, but anything that I need to hammer on where I need to get a decent amount of weight and, you know, not a lot of bounce back and I don't want to mar the surface, that, that uh that plastic headed dead blow is really good, so. Cheap plastic and brass, dead blow. Is it plastic and brass? That's cool. All right, next we have cheap guillotines. And cheap guillotine says nothing crazy, but I salvaged a one pound brass machinist mallet from my grandfather's stuff after he died. Um, it's on the third handle now, and with any luck, it'll see me to my grave. That's really cool. I mean, there's, like, a a brass machinist hammer. That's really nice. Um, you know, having, again, having something that's softer than steel that you can use to hammer with um, is is really nice. So that's cool. And I love the fact that he got it from, uh, you know, got it from his grandfather's stuff. I have a few things that came from my grandfather as well. So through my dad, um, things that my dad had for years. And then I got other little hand tools and things. So All right, let's see. Next is... Uh, Ice Cube Planet. He says, an estate sale quality draw knife. It makes shaping wood for axe handles, making wooden outdoor campfire tools, debarking logs, scraping varnish off, etc. So easy. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree. I have, um I guess with uh, with any tool, you know, it's like, when you realize you want one, um, you want something, a tool, and then you look for it, and it takes you a little time, and then you find the one you want. Eventually, you find a good deal on one, uh, then you get it, and then, then you start seeing them around. So, for me, that's draw knives. You know, I I wanted a draw knife when I started bow making, so I went on to eBay and I got a draw knife and a Stanley spoke shave as a combo. I think I spent like twenty three dollars or something like that, maybe twenty five dollars for shipping, uh, for those two. So draw knife and the spoke shave, and then uh, since then, which was. Let's see that was in two thousand and eleven I started bow making, so since then I probably have bought ten or fifteen more draw knives <laughs> I've like used some given some away, you know restored some, but you know now just having different sizes, draw knives and things I have some that are that need to be restored need to be put handles on some that are usable uh, but I just, they're really nice can't beat a draw knife all right, let me see let me get a drink of my centennial all right <clears throat> next we have uh sorenson sorenson customs he says my four inch precision double squares hands down my favorite and arguably most used tool under a hundred dollars four inch precision double square uh, great for small measurements laying out right angles or just short straight lines setting tools to square, aligning bolsters before peening. I could go on. Also, another tool worth not skimping on is the auto punch. I've been through a handful before I splurged for the $40 version for a good one. A nice magnifying visor is also a great one for us entering middle life. And magnetic work lights are great, and you can't have enough of them. And that, man, those are great ones. All four of those things, like... I love little squares. Um, I have several of them, you know, little cheap kind of precision squares. So they don't they don't cost a lot, but they are really nice to have. Um, uh, what else do you say? Uh, an auto punch. I've I've done the same thing. I've gone through a couple cheap ones. I don't have a forty dollar one, but I have still a couple cheap ones, and I find myself actually just reaching my regular, uh, you know, center punches and things rather than using the auto punches. But maybe getting a good one would be worth it. Uh, what else did he say? He said uh, the ch- 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 magnifying visor. I don't have one of those because fortunately my eyes are still really good, and I'm almost a forty. So, you know, got to take my blessings when I can get them. And magnetic work lights. Yes, I I purchased two uh, magnetic work lights, and I actually saw them on a video from um housework brian house at housework i saw them on his videos and went down and used his avail- affiliate link to buy um i was going to buy one and then i found that it was uh significantly cheaper to buy two pack it was like one for 10.99 and two for you know a pack of two for 12.99 or something so obviously i bought two um and i put them in my shop and probably within a month i bought two more because they're just like super nice to have and you'll notice them if you've watched the videos you notice that they're attached to all of my grinders right above you know they're right above my grinders where i work they're attached i have one attached to my um uh one attached to my band and then one attached to my vice my my bench vice really nice to have the light right on the subject where you're working all right let's see let me come on phone. So I recently dropped my phone in a fire. <laughs> I was at my buddy Sean's place and uh, we were having a fire and I was I was kind of showing something on my phone and it was cold out so my hands were really dry, you know, and like kind of slippery. My phone was cold and I was I was holding in my hand and kind of slipping, you know, sh- scrolling with my phone showing him and it just slipped out of my hand and it fell and hit a rock on the edge of the fire ring and popped into the fire (laughs) like fortunately it was like on on the edge of the fire and so i just obviously as soon as i dropped it i saw the gun i reached down and grabbed it and pulled it out it didn't get burned or anything but it did land on the bottom and cracked a little bit right on the kind of the bottom right corner and it's cracked just a little bit up over my screen but really not much which wouldn't bother me at all i'd leave it but it's starting to mess with my actual um usability of my phone which i don't know if it's because of the crack or not but it didn't happen before that so but like sometimes it doesn't want to scroll right now we're having a little bit of trouble so okay next one we have is walt Beatty or walt Beatty. he says i have a cadre of hand planes which i purchased for twenty dollars twenty five dollars or less at flea markets and estate sales after a restoration and tune-up they are some of the most wonderful inexpensive tools i own and i agree 100 percent with that walt Beatty. um I have done the same thing I have <laughs> several lots of hand planes that I bought in different uh, states of disrepair um, all from yard sales and estate sales and things like that as well um, so yeah I can agree you know I've actually I had did, we did the video on restoring one of them so but I have I have several of them they're all up on my on my workbench shelf and then I have other ones that are not complete that are around and I have bits and pieces of ones that I think I'll be able to use to complete other ones in the future so I, I do lots of them. I have lots of them as well. All right. From uh, Fairless Dave, he says, I picked up a little trim router from a well-known German supermarket store. I <laughs> uh, said that thing is awesome and only $25. It's not a dollar sign, so I'm not exactly sure what that is. I don't think it's a pound. I don't think it's... Fairless Dave, where's Dave from? I should know that because Dave's been like one of our longtime followers and commenters and viewers and subscribers, so... Sorry about that, Dave. I should know where you are. Fairless, Dave. Um, Yeah, so trim router, that's, that's one of the things that I've been looking to get. And I haven't, you know, pulled the trigger and bought one just because of the price, right? They're not that expensive, but as soon as it gets over $100, I hesitate to buy it just because do I really need it, right? I have two or three regular routers. But I have been, I've been looking for a trim router. So I think that'll probably be my next uh, power tool purchase. Just because like having something that portable and small that you can move around with your hand, just like with one hand, instead of having to like, you know, two hand it and big routers have a ton of power. And I mean, the small routers have a ton of power too, but there's something a little bit nicer. It makes a little bit more handheld and um, convenient to just pull out and trim something up real quick. So trim router. It's a good one. All right. Old Squirrel Knives says rivet press. Um, that I would love to have. <laughs> Actually, I think I, th- I think I may have told the story. I think I did when uh, when about that giant yard sale where I had a arbor press that was there. It was a, it was a small one, one that might be like sixty or seventy dollars because arbor presses are expensive. It's like it's surprisingly, it's not uh, the sophisticated things, but they're expensive. I guess maybe because the casting. I don't know, but uh, there was a small one, and I you know, I picked it up and I was like, how much for this? She was like, I don't know. What do you think? I was like, oh, can I get 10 bucks? She was like, all right, sounds good. So I put it down with my things that I was going to get. And I had the, kind of a stack of a bunch of stuff and I put it in that pile and I kind of walked away and came back like three minutes later and it was gone. And so I'm like looking around, like maybe not three minutes, let's say like seven or eight minutes later, right? I'm kind of looking around. And I had a bunch of things, and just that one thing, the Arbor Press, was gone. It was missing from that pile. I was like, come on. Like, I had this pile here. There's only, like, six or seven people in this, like, two or three rooms of this shop. So I'm, like, looking around. I'm, like, checking for people, like, looking at people's hands, and I just could not find it. Oh, I was so bummed. (laughs) I was like, come on. I asked the woman. She gave me a price. She was happy to sell it to me. It was mine. I should have hung on to it but yeah so rivet press that would be really nice so you know using an arbor press and having like those kind of rivet setting tools or heads or dies for that i mean that would be something that would be really nice to be able to just put that rivet really quickly i'll have to see if i can find a rivet press for under a hundred dollars all right next one is back from the dead uk and he says angle grinder always the angle grinder There you go. once again angle grinder you can't beat it Four-inch angle grinder if you guys know that reference you know that reference All right, uh, let's see. We have... All right, I have three more. So uh, three more on on Instagram, and then I'll pop over to YouTube and put those as well. Uh, Wiley Choppers says, I can't twist clamps. So K-A-N-T, can't twist clamps. Hands down the best clamps. I use them to lock my scales down to the tank for drilling, and they absolutely do not budge. That is one of the things on this list that I do not have, and I have been thinking about and looking at getting for quite a long time and again that's one of those things where i have a bunch of clamps i have lots of different clamps i have spring clamps and i have twist clamps and i have f clamps and c clamps i have tons of clamps giant clamps and small clamps i don't have any cant clamps can't twists and i see people using them all the time and they look awesome and i definitely need to bite the bullet on that and buy some can't twist clamps um all right, next one is 118 Blades, and he says, my $35 angle grinder has been with me for over 12 years and still going strong. And uh, I can agree. I have two um, two of the Harbor Freight Chicago electric 4-inch angle grinders, and I've had them for years, I mean, like eight, nine years, something like that, and they just keep on running. I actually recently bought one for my buddy Sean. <laughs> and I was like here cuz his his uh one of his uh, he had same thing he had two engrams, one of them died and then the other one died and I was at Harbor Freight and they were on sale for like an extra 30% off of their normal price for like $12. So, I just bought one. I was like here you go. I knew I knew he needed one and I saw it there It was super cheap so I just I got it for him. <laughs> all right, so the last one I'm going to read on Instagram and this is the last one from the list. I read them all. Um so this person commented on my post and they said check out my knives, please, and give them a shout, much needed. Now this is, uh, I will shout them out, this is uh, Versatile Bunko, which I think is a, maybe a knife store, they sell, you know, it's a bunch of different types of knives, and they sell knives and cutting tools and things, so this is not an individual person, but the comment was, check out my knives, please, and give them a shout out, much needed. So my response to that was, uh, I said, answer the question posted here and i will probably shout you out <laughs> so with a little like kind of winky face you know i not trying to be smart i was just saying like i'm not i'm not just going to shout you out on when you're commenting on my post about what i'm asking you i'm asking you a simple question um so then he wrote back and he said a skinner with buckhorn and beautiful colored spacers which again wasn't not an answer to the question so i said that's not an answer to the question with little laughy faces again trying to just be funny about it i wasn't trying to be smart and then he wrote back he did respond he said he said oh i get now i get it now with a like a laughing face He said, my favorite cheap shop tool is the clipper i use to hold my knives during tempering and ex- extracting results for damascus i don't know what that is the tool is the clipper i use hold my knives during tempering and ex- extracting results for damascus hmm. i don't know so I mean, I was thinking automatically that it was like a like a blade holder for the inside of a forge, something to hold up, you know, like a ceramic, um, a little kind of looks like a, a, a mini version of it, or like a a comb with really big, you know, comb teeth on it, and you put blades in between so they'll hold up so they won't fall down on their sides. Um, but I don't know exactly what that is, but there you go, Versatile Bunker, you got your shout out. <laughs> All right, uh, let me pop over to Facebook and... I have a couple uh, comments on that. Here we go. Okay. All right. Oh Good. Oh, nice. All right. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six comments on Facebook. Um, Obviously, I have a lot more followers on Instagram because the wonderful thing about Instagram is that you don't need to know the person to follow along with what they're doing. You can just find them, find them with hashtags or search someone and look them up. You know, it's a great way. Facebook obviously is more about friends and family. So these are people who I are, who are friends with on Facebook. So Brian House says, Dead Blow Hammer. Again, you know, that's the second person, and I agree 100%. Dead Blow Hammer. Uh, Sean Porter from Crafting Life I Want. Brian House is from the uh, House Work channel and the Workfort podcast. Sean Porter from Crafting Life I Want says, Magnets, specifically the extendable one from Harbor Freight. And the red blocky one with the finger holds and i agree 100 um having having magnets especially when you're doing any type of knife making or any type of small like you know um any type of you know doing any type anything with small bits of steel or magnetic material where you're grinding and you need to be able to hold on to it without you know using your fingers your next option is like vice grips so having a magnet to be able to hold those things is really nice. And that extendable one from Harbor Freight is really nice too, especially doing uh, heat treating. When you're checking, if you're heat treating in a forge and you're checking for non-magnetic, being able to have that long one to reach in and do that heat treat. So yes, I agree with both of those. Uh, Matt Brown, who is the, uh, the artist who plays our music for our channel and also for the intro song to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast, he says, I have a super old rubber mallet that I requisitioned, in quotes, from my dad when i moved so when he when he stole uh he says for sentimental reasons and it has gotten me out of more pickles than literally any other tool that i own um and that's a good one that's the first time someone said a rubber mallet we've said dead blow but yeah rubber mallet is something really nice i mean again having like a soft face thing that you can bang on something really hard with that's really nice so rubber mallet's gotten him out of a bunch of pickles uh nick tobin who is uh pickle cutters on instagram um and it's a knife making. He says, uh, my $2 vintage Stanley punch. And he's got a picture of it here. It's, you know, it's the, uh, round punch, um, tapered on the end. Uh, then from about maybe an inch up to about two inches above that, it's round, um, cylindrical and gnarled, right? So it has the texture on it. And then the last like three quarters of an inch is square. And I have one of those too. And they are just like super Nice. I think I have one similar, but his is his nice little vintage Stanley punch, two dollars. It's awesome. All right, next we have Brian James Cone, also from the Workfort podcast and B Cone Knives, and he says this misting system. And so he has the uh, mist system for knife makers, specifically from uh, Brian House's system. You can go to uh, Housemade.us and pick up all sorts of awesome. Uh, knife making supplies from Brian, specifically things that have to do with 2x72 grinders, revolution grinders, which I have two of them in my shop. Thank you, Brian. And Brian Cohn, yes, it's this misting system. So having that misting system that attaches to your 2x72 grinder, so anytime you're grinding any um, uh, heat treated steel. So Brian, as a as a knife maker, will you know you create your make your knives, you profile them, usually do some uh, grinding on the bevels before heat treat and then you heat treat the knives and then you got to go back and do all the finish grinding and you know cleaning off any type of uh decarb and you know forge scale things like that and then also getting down and you know having the sharpened knife after you heat treat you want to be really careful you don't heat your blades up because if you heat them up past that temper that tempered temperature then you're losing the hardness that has been uh, treated into the blade um, so having a misting system that mists water on your belt as you're grinding, it it keeps your blade cool. And your other option is to grind, stop, dip your blade in water, grind, dip your blade in water, go back and park, go back and forth, which is you know a very common thing. And that's what I do, and that's what most knife makers do, but having a misting system that sprays water on your blade as you're grinding, that is really nice. So that's the from Brian Cohn. All right. And lastly, which is the last one that's on here, which is I was like, oh, that's cool. It's actually my dad, Scott O'Hara. Um, he said, a multi-tip screwdriver, always used. Phillips flip over a straight edge. Can't live without it, and it's dirt cheap. And I agree 100% on that. And that's kind of like the Milwaukee 11-in-1, but I think it's usually that, like, orange handle. It's got, you know, a it's got two sides that can flip, or you have, like, two sides that hold two different bits so it's actually like four total so you have uh you know a large and small phillips and a large and small flathead so a multi-tip screwdriver um yeah and i really agree with that also like if you can get you know you can get things like i said similarly to the 11 the the milwaukee 11 and 1 you can have a bunch of different bit heads that fit into the top of it like a bit driver but yeah that, that that screwdriver i have one that stays in my shop and one that stays in my tool belt for any time i'm doing anything out of the shop so those are awesome to have and, uh, hard to live without. All right. Well, that is it. That is the list. That is over 35 comments from you guys. Lots of awesome, cheap tools, um, cheap tools, things under, under a hundred dollars, things that we can't live without. And like a few different people said, you know, the majority of the tools in our shop are things that are under a hundred dollars. Uh, and they, you know, they all just build up to be able to give, give you the ability to make whatever you want. And uh, that's kind of always my goal. I'm like, I want to be able to do it all. I want to be able to make anything I want, you know? So whether that's cutting apart wood or metal or putting together wood or metal or, you know, like fabricating all the stuff, anything that I want to have, anything that I'd like to have, I'd like to make. Now, obviously, that's within reason. I'm not going to make, like, computers and gigantic you know, electric machines and things, but you know, within reason I like to make things that I know that I could make and uh having the tools to do it gives you that ability. All right. So we are coming to the end. I'm gonna do a recommendation. So my recommendation this week is uh Douglas Pryor. Now I've I've recommended Douglas before in the past, um, but he is coming to the end of a big project. So Douglas Pryor is a raising and chasing artist. So, if you don't know what raising and chasing is, it's when you take um, sheets of steel or metal and you hammer from the back and from the front to create three D images. So, basically, it's like a low relief or a relief um, sculpting where you're you know you're working on a flat surface but you're building out from it. So, um, hill shape and you know chase and raise by hammering uh steel forward or back from that surface and he is working on a gigantic alligator and that's kind of coming out of the ground It almost reminds me of kind of like a uh, uh almost like a like a dinosaur skeleton kind of coming out of the ground almost like it was found in the ground because it's kind of half in a flat surface and half coming out of it but um but it's like a life-size alligator and he's been working on this project for a bunch of months. Like, I would say at least, I don't know, like six months, eight months, maybe a year. I feel like I've been watching him do this for a long time. And he's working on, like, I guess they call the scoots, right? All the little uh, um, the scales on an alligator. And so, like, just, just incredibly, incredibly detailed work that he does. And just the fact that he can do it and he's not, like... Busting through places. He's like heating up different spots, hammering, you know, shaping. That's that raising and chasing. Um, just incredible, incredible work. So go check out Douglas Pryor. It's uh, at Douglas underscore Pryor on Instagram and uh, see what he's doing. Go back and look through his Instagram posts because he's got these beautiful posts of work that he's done. Um, but, you know, you can kind of follow along with this project he's been working on for a bunch of months on this gigantic alligator. It's coming to the end and it's looking awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is it. We are coming right up on one hour. I actually thought I would only do probably like a half an hour because I was just gonna read through the comments and I would been done. But you never know. You start talking, you start getting into things, and it just goes on. So, as a teacher, when I'm used to talking in front of students for you know hour long classes, <laughs> sometimes it comes a little more easily than I'd like to just ramble on. But uh. You know, it's always more fun to do it with Devin, but uh, I didn't want to take the week off. And so I figured I'd just reach out to you guys and get a whole bunch of great content to uh, talk about on the podcast. So hopefully uh, I hit on some of the things that you have in your shop that are, you know, 100% worth it and that are under uh, under $100. I'm just looking around and I have all sorts of great things. And uh, maybe look out for some videos coming out in the near future about some of these things. So. All right, guys. Well, that is it. I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who listens and comments and uh, participates in the community that we are all part of and that we try to push the art of craftsmanship. You know, um, I it always sounds kind of cheesy, but it really is about the community. I really, really enjoy uh, the community that we're in and the people and, you know, the just the camaraderie and the flack talk and just, I mean, everything. It's just really fun to be in a a community of, of makers and people who like this type of thing and who support each other. And, you know, that's one of the things you find about makers is that, you know, makers will support each other. They'll buy each other's things. They'll push people. They'll shout people out. They'll repost stories because really we're all kind of in the same boat. We all make things. We all, Maybe are trying to make money off of the things we make and we're pushing each other to do better. So, you know, I know it sounds cheesy and I say it all the time that we're all part of the community, blah, blah, blah. But really I do believe it. And, and I love that part of what we do. Um, you know, it's the reason why I read over the comments. And the reason why I post things on Instagram, because, you know, Instagram doesn't make me any money. I'm posting there because it's really fun to be part of this social community, right? This social network of people who can show things and look at things and you get some feedback and makes you feel good about yourself. And, you know, maybe you screw something up and you show that and people give you some feedback and help you out. So really, the community is there. So thank you guys all so much. It really makes a difference uh, for listening and commenting and being a part of this community. Um, yeah. That being said, definitely make sure you go over to YouTube and follow us there. I know it's been a while that, since we put out videos. Um, we keep saying we're super busy. We are super busy and we want to put out more videos, but you know, sometimes you just got to do what you're doing. It's not that we're not, we're not making them or it, it is that we're not making. It's not that we don't want to make them. It's just that we are doing a lot of other stuff. So just trying to, you know get things together Devin you know he's got his baby girl so that that helps that you know kind of inhibits some stuff more often now and same thing with me like I'm taking classes and there's just lots of things happening so we're very busy and we are doing our best you know Devin's been posting like, we're getting back out there we are doing more videos we are recording some stuff so there will be things coming out relatively soon so keep your eye out for that but go over to YouTube follow us there uh, at the art of craftsman the art of craftsmanship on YouTube Um, You can follow both Devin and I on Instagram. Mine is the art of craftsmanship and Devin is the art of camera guy. If you don't follow Devin, go follow him because he does post lots of fun things. Um, He's posting things about like, you know, the things we're doing. He, he does great like candid pictures of me all the time. I don't ever notice it. And he's like taking around a picture. He'll be like drinking a beer and watching me work for 20 minutes when I'm, he's doing something that he's already filmed 20 minutes of. And so he'll post those things all the time. So check him out as well on Instagram. And then if you guys want to support us, and support the maker community like we are, you know, are part of the maker community. You can go over to uh go over to Patreon.com slash the Art of Craftsmanship. Um we talk about how when we started that, we were hesitant to promise things. And that has always been kind of tough, right? Like people are there and they're supporting us financially, you know, with money and we're not really giving a ton back, um, outside of what we do on YouTube. Now it was hard for us to decide to do that, but we had a lot of encouragement from different people who were like, people want to support you. They don't have to continually support you forever. They might want to just give you a little money here and there. They want to support you. And if they're, they have money to support you with, and they want to give it to them, you have to give them an avenue to do it. Um, so that's what that is there. But really, I mean, that money goes back into what we do for the channel and gives us the ability to make more content for you for the art of craftsmanship on YouTube. So that's really what it's about. That's why we're, you know, if you want to go over there and you support us, it's because you like what we do and you appreciate it and you figure out you want, there's another way that you want to support us and you can do it financially. And if you can't, that's perfectly fine too. Like just, just be there, just watch along, just enjoy it, comment, let us know, you know, participate, uh, comment on Instagram, just be part of the community, it really is important but uh but yeah if you if you feel like you want to support us in a different way, you can go over to Patreon and support us there. All right, guys, that's it. another hour in the books, another art of craftsmanship podcast. Um, this has been really fun. We're on episode 70, which is crazy all, all the way up to seventy. So we're getting there. We're getting closer to 100. It's crazy. I don't know what we'll do for 100, but we'll have to do something really fun. Probably do a brother's podcast, of course. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have some more local people around, uh, other YouTubers and Instagrammers and uh, podcasts. And that, that Maybe we'll get like a big group of people together and do like a giant one. I don't know. We'll see. But until then, thank you guys all so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple.